you want a history lesson? Well, by the title of the episode, you might have thought you'd be getting it, but you're not. I'm Charlie. And I'm Corey. And this week, we will be discussing the self-titled debut by a band called Franz Ferdinand, named after an archduke whose assassination led to World War I in part, but they were also a 2000s indie rock band, so... Funny how that works. Uh, I love how the band tries to be like, we hope that one day when people say Franz Ferdinand, they'll just think of us and not the Archduke. <laughs> but, but really, and, and if you look into it, they were talking about they really just love the iteration or the alliteration of it, yes. which, I, which is crazy, but it, it, it stuck. It stuck. And uh, yeah, so as I said, this was their self-titled debut. So we are discussing a debut for the first time in a while on this show i feel like we haven't done a debut album in a while yeah man yeah man i like it so that's exciting to be doing um i know you picked this album so how about what was your uh experience with it at the time like what well, was it like we're going 2004 um a little or three years before britney so we're going back in time a little bit here um, for me, 2004, I mean, I was in my early 20s. I was probably listening to the most music of my life at this point, and I was playing a lot of music still back then. It was a, a self-proclaimed blurry time for me, but this album, I remember, my best friend hit me with this album, and we always, there wasn't much that we would listen to that we didn't enjoy uh, together. And in the time and and we'll touch on this throughout, but in the time of Modest Mouse and, and that sort of avant garde rock or some went to call it art rock sound. He was like, I got these guys, Franz Ferdinand. I was like, all right, well, let's let's throw them on. And the way I remember it, we never we didn't stop listening to this album for like two, three, four weeks straight. There's so much on this album as a musician, especially as a younger musician that I didn't necessarily know or have it heard in abundance that I was enthralled with this album. I, I was straight up infatuated with the sound on this album. It was so unique and it was so exactly what just for me, what I needed at that point, because I feel like, you know, I was coming out of the nineties and I was coming, we were, we were oversaturated with that. I won't say sad sound, but that melancholy sound that was starting to pick up in the, in the early two thousands. So for this one, I know we say it every once in a while, but this was another fresh or breath of fresh air. This was a breath of icy cold air that I had never breathed before in my life, to, to be exact. Um, so if you, you can't tell, back then I I loved this album. <laughs> yes, and now when this album came out, I was not the target audience because I was seven years old. So I didn't hear it until this week, but... Looking into it, I do agree with you that it's a breath of fresh air into popular music at this time, because this was different. So this is a band from Scotland, and they're not actually all born in Scotland, but they met and formed there. This was their first album. They recorded it on Domino Records, which was an indie label. They wanted to do a small label that would actually be artists first, not one of the big major labels that they'd get lost in the shuffle in, which was a smart move for a band such as this, I believe. 
And Tori Johansson was their producer. He was best known for working with the Cardigans, best known for their hit Love Fool. This is quite a change from Love Fool. <laughs> quite a change. But much better, in my opinion. That song actually irritates me, but <laughs> Heard. that's not what we're here to talk about. So, yeah, this album was released on February 9th, 2004, and the lead single for it had already gotten into the top 50 UK and just kind of blew up in the UK and Scotland from there. And it ended up crossing over to the States. So yeah, in the UK, it made it up to number three on the charts, number two in Scotland, but in the US, it made it up to 32, which may not sound that great, but it stayed on the charts for over a year. So it sold steadily, and it was 111 on the year-end chart, which is impressive because it only peaked at 32. Now, going back to, to my best friend, he was really on top of that stuff. He uh, we're, we're back in the CD store junkie days. Like, you know, it was the death. It was CD stores were dying, but like where we would go in and, and grab fresh albums. So talking about it being on the charts and rising on the charts or, or, or just charting period for that whole entire year uh, or selling for that whole entire year. I'm sorry, not charting for the whole entire year. Long story short, it was something that we watched. I remember it coming on MTV and being like calling my buddy and being like, yeah, it's on MTV like France Ferdinand's hitting right now. And he and we we just sat back and watched watched that fire burn in all in all honesty. You know, watched it, watched it just turn into everybody jamming on it, which was great because we were sharing it in the car while we were smoking a dube, you know, and, and really just having it for us. Uh, and then then people could relate to it. Shit, most of the stuff we listened to back then, not many people related to anyway. So it was it was a cool thing. Even the band was like, we couldn't believe we hit UK top fifty. You know, yeah. like, are you are you joking? We're, we're up there, which I I always loved about them. They always came over to me uh, through their music and through interviews that I had seen and whatnot as a very down to earth indie band. You know, they they were that indie band in in my brain. Um, but yeah, they was around for forever, and we watched it. We watched it grow. Yeah, and it definitely appealed to a certain audience because this was not popular music of 2004. This was not what it sounded like. I'm going to get a bit more into that later on. But for some context, the top selling album of 2004 was Usher's Confessions. Sure. Like this R&B hip hop album. That was the sound of 2004. If you look at the hits, that's what it is. This was not that. And undoubtedly there were listeners sick of that sound and wanting something different and here come these guys from scotland to give it to them and uh, they did a good job doing it i think they, they did I, I agree they did a good job doing it yes and uh, this album won the mercury prize music prize in 2004 and it was nominated for best alternative album at the grammys it lost to Wilco's A Ghost Is Born, not an album I know by them. I only know a couple of theirs, but not that one. I mean, th that's not we when we talk about those losses, usually it's like s somebody losing to a total different genre and a total different feel that probably didn't make them too sad. 
You know what I'm saying? Like that was one that's shared amongst artists and like, all right, man, I'm down with that album. Or I would, I would think because Wilco was probably not probably Wilco was in that same kind of listener pool. I, oh, I would yeah. think yeah. most definitely this is the alternative pool. And, exactly. Uh, they were admittedly a bit more established. That was not their first album. That was like their fourth or fifth. Oh, yeah. This was the first. So not always easy for the newbies to get in there, but they did pretty well. They sold over 3.6 million copies worldwide of this album, platinum in the US and over a million in the UK too. So not the biggest album we've covered, but for an indie band from Scotland, pretty fucking impressive, I would say. Yeah, I mean, you're sitting at the, the 47th Grammys, and you literally, earlier that year, were playing a UK... I'm trying not to use the word punk, but I'm just going to... Whatever, I can't dance around it. You were not only playing inside of, but you were supporting like Interpol and, and bands like that inside of a UK punk scene. And now you're you're sitting at the Grammys, so... It definitely was a, a not as big as we're used to numbers wise, but as far as the musicality and and, and reaching people, wow, it, it reached them. Yeah, and uh, unexpectedly, but deservedly, in my opinion, because uh, I enjoyed going on this journey. I'm glad you picked this one. I'll say that. Now. that you know, we uh, most of our longtime listeners know that we don't really pump each other up or try to even talk about. Actually, I don't know if anybody knows this. When we jump into this, we don't say, hey, how'd you like it? What, what was this? Let's touch on points. We just go at it. You know, we have our own notes. And and that's for me, or I think I could speak for both of us. That's the fun of this whole entire thing. But I, I had a great feeling that you would enjoy this album. And it's one of the reasons I picked it, not only just because. I wanted to share it with with all of our listeners, uh, with you as well. But I, I had a feeling you'd enjoy this. This is, uh, I'm going to my opinion on this. This is a hard one not to enjoy, I feel like. I agree, but maybe you were just trying to be charitable after last month. <laughs> no, Charlie, I was not. I, don't, don't, don't have people out there thinking I'm a charitable kind of guy. <laughs> but no yeah well with you in mind i was like let's do this bad boy <laughs> yes yes well yeah i will say it's more in my thing than the last one we did that you picked so heard that heard that oh uh, nobody gets to see your face and charlie didn't know what i was gonna pick so last week when I said Franz Ferdinand, I looked at him and he was like, ah, shit, here we go again. And he does a great job with a good smile and and keeps chugging along and even did, you know, and off the top of his head. The only track he knew was Take Me Out. So last week's close was, uh, you know, Take Us Out or I, I can't remember the exact <laughs> one, but you did it right off the top of your head. But I could see a little bit of fear in the eyes like, oh, shit, here we go again. Who knows, but... <laughs> That being said, let's take ourselves out on a journey with Franz Ferdinand. This album begins with a song called Jacqueline, and it begins with this spare acoustic verse, and I'm, like, shocked by it. It was not what I was expecting to start the album. I was like, ooh, and it's kind of, it's a dark lyric. Jacqueline was 17, working on the desk when Ivor or Evor, I'm not remembering, peered above a spectacle, 
forgetting he had wrecked a girl. And I'm like, whoa, this is dark. But then it builds up rocks out and it's always better on holiday. We only work when we need the money, which truer words have never been spoken. Never been spoken. How great is that hook? It's always better on holiday. That's why we only work when we need the money. Oh, God, I love that line. I do too, but honestly, that first verse gives me chills, though. I think that's the best part of the song. It gives me chills. I it, I, I thought about you on my re-lesson, re-listens, but I also tried, and I always try to put myself a little bit in the shoes of, of me when I first listened, and I was the same way. Like I, I immediately had goosebumps when he starts. It's something about his voice, man. It's a really unique but really strong, and, and it can it – can, Hang on its own acapella. And what a weird, not weird, what a dark way to open this album for the listener that it's expecting. Like if you knew their singles and you were expecting to hear like bangers, immediately you're like, whoa, but it just seamlessly works it way, works its way into Jacqueline. And now we're off and running. You know, uh, we've got a syncopated strum and, and a heavy bass line. Uh, before we even know it, we come out of this beautiful acapella verse, and here we are running. It's a, such a feel-good track, and it celebrates the, the like freedom of living. Like it's that punk mentality, man. We only work; we need the money. Live life, love life, and yeah, I love the start of this album. Yes, and it was a tribute to an art school friend of theirs named Jacqueline. So she must have been a fun girl. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> That's- the vibe I'm getting. Yeah. This one and other songs on the album. The first listen, I was a bit like, I'll know it was still a bit odd, but you do have to listen more than one time, I think, to appreciate this one. I know I did with second, third listens. I appreciate like this construction a lot more. Heard. Yeah. It, there's definitely layers throughout this album that really benefit from multiple listens, in my opinion. Most definitely. And another song like that can be the next one, track number two, Tell Her Tonight. I know last week you said there were people who compared this band to the Beatles. If any song on this album reminds me of the Beatles, I would actually say it's this one. It really does have that 1964 Beatles vibe, I feel like, but a bit updated, of course. And uh, admittedly, it's also... Sure and catchy, and uh, I think because of that, it also gives me that vibe. It's a good rocker. <laughs> it is. It is. I think some of the uh, the old vibe that I feel listening to this is a lot of those harmonies when they're doing tonight. Yeah, I love that harmony. This track starts off with that just sliding bass line that almost makes you think that it's going to go slow again, but we end up at a great pace. Uh, we're still strolling on the album. The the chromatic, the bridge, the way it chromatically goes up and like down half steps, I love. And for me, like after a million listens, it almost gives me the feeling of going back and forth about telling her tonight. Because this song is, is in my opinion, 
a guy who's back and forth about telling her, you know, how, how it is, how it feels, period. And you feel that through the music, but for me, most intensely in the bridge with these with these half-step chromatic up and downs. Yeah, I never thought of that, but you're more familiar with this song than me, so. Yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, check it out. Listen to it because it, it's almost like throughout the song, he's on his heels, then he's full on, then he's on his heels. And, and the refrain is full on, let's do it tonight, yeah, you know, raging. And then it falls back into almost like a timid start to each verse. Uh, or a cool way to look at it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I think so. So, yeah, tell her tonight, but another good tune. But in a way, it's kind of just a warm up for what's about to happen. Yeah. Track number three. It's the one and only Take Me Out, the album's big hit. I mean, if you haven't heard this song, the most distinguishable part about it is uh, that it has a major tempo change in it. So it starts off as just this straight rock song, and that's what you think you're going to get. And then uh, it goes into this disco rock song uh, with this dance music percussion. And uh, I want to say, I think that's so cool, because if we go back to 1979, there was this huge anti-disco backlash, primarily from rock fans. They were like, no, we hate disco. We don't like it going together. The rock stars who tried to do it were called sellouts all the time. And now here's this band 25 years after that, making it their own and making it cool. And uh, I think that's awesome. And they also admitted they wanted to make music that appealed to women as well as men. And this is a song that'll get you the dance. And uh, I, they definitely accomplished that. I will say that. They did. They did. And, and you're right. This song never keeps, never stops giving. You know, the I think one of the most iconic parts or one of the most iconic things that it's given us is that call and answer guitar riff in the middle, uh, a guitar and vocal riff. And they have been said to have been inspired by Hal and Wolf on that, which is, is wild to hear. But you really do. You get this wild post-punk sound that changes throughout but keeps you dancing. I wanted to touch on this in our intro, but I was going to hold it till later. Even though we're doing an indie art rock album, we're still on this new sound mentality that we've been exploring in the 2000s so far and we're still dancing in the 2000s so far a lot of this album for me is super danceable oh i completely agree and uh, a lot of people did i guess with this song so yeah this was the hit of the album it was the second single it made it up to number three in the uk and uh, it also made it to number three on the alternative charts in the u.s it made it the 66 on the Hot 100, which doesn't sound great, but here's my point I alluded to a bit earlier. It's kind of a miracle this charted on the Hot 100 at all. I'm so glad you said that. Because this, yeah. this is, look at the charts of 2004. This is not the sound of it. This is the year of crunk. The hits are hip-hop and R&B songs for the most part. Every number one hit actually fell into either one of those categories this year. I mean, the number one song the week this track peaked was Lean Back. Great party song, but not the sound of this. And uh, even for rock music, it didn't sound like this. The top bands were 
people like Nickelback and Three Doors Down, Hooba Stank did the reason this year. That was the sound of mainstream rock in 2004. And undoubtedly, there were people who didn't like that. There was a subset of people who I'm sure just didn't like hearing that. They felt it wasn't real. They felt it was artificial. They wanted something new. And I knew if I were my age now, and I'd heard this in 2004, I would have thought, wow, this is so cool to hear something that's just a breath of fresh air away from all this artificial stuff. I, I, you you hit it on the head. I mean, that is such a great point and, and a profound point inside of these 2000s. And, and being right there and watching this, it was crazy because this one fit in. So the people that were looking for this breath of fresh air that we're talking about right now, that we're trying to get out of the sound and, and, and listen for something new. Once, as I remember it, once it hit MTV, there wasn't really anybody who ever hated on this. You know what I'm saying? Like anybody I talked to take me out would be on the radio and they'd be jamming regardless, regardless of genre, regardless of preference. This one was widely accepted from what I remember. I believe that. I wasn't there. I think if any song were to have been widely accepted in America, this was the one, because this is a very Scottish UK album in a lot of ways. So this one doesn't really contain references to that region specifically. This was the one that could cross over and it managed to do so, and even it could appeal to the dance fans, which also not the dominant sound of this time, but there were still dance pop hits out there, and I'm sure some of those same people would jam to take me out, or heck, even some of the crunk listeners, probably. They could dance to this as well as lean back, I guess. <laughs> you know, I should have looked it up because I have thought about it, but this was the first... One that I remember, I'm, I'm sure there was more, but this is the first one I remember that made it onto the Guitar Hero slash Rock Band Rhythm Game 2, just adding to its its acceptance. Yes, but I have this to say, regardless of chart placement, in the 2000s, there is one badge of honor that proves that you had a hit. Kids Bop did a cover of your song. <laughs> that, that's real that is real and uh, yes there is a kids bop cover of take me out i listened to it so you don't have to <laughs> now i'm gonna have to but i love it actually the arrangement was not bad the arrangement was actually pretty well done and faithful to the original shouting kids yeah they sucked but that's every kids bop song <laughs> ever so <laughs> but Yes. Yeah, Kids no, Pop I, 8 closes I, out with a cover of Franz Ferdinand's Take Me Out. Get out of here. There you go. That's right, though. You're totally right. That is how you measure yourself in the 2000s. Yes. And also, another way to know it, Weird Al included this song in one of his polka medleys on his Straight Out of Linwood album, too. Also awesome. That's great. Pure acceptance. I love I loved to hear that. Yeah, so take me out. It's that jam. But take me out is going to take us out into the next song. Track number four, The Dark of the Matinee. Very cool title. 
first off. And when I talked about there being really specific regional references, this is the main song I was referring to. So it's about dreaming of a better life and telling Terry Wogan about it, who was a famous British chat show host. I found out about him from doing the Share podcast, actually, because when she went across the pond, she had some great interviews with him, including this gem. Do you go jogging like Madonna to keep fit? Well, you mean like my best friend Madonna? Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought that was, that was a subtle way to drag her in, you oh. understand? Yes. I will fit Cher or Madonna in any way I can. So even with Franz Ferdinand. So there we go. But the song is really about how that dream is not what it's cracked up to be. And uh, the title came from bassist Bob Hardy saying that the dark of a matinee was a utopian environment to play in. uh, Which is interesting. I, I love that feeling because the dark of the matinee shares a unique thing for me that only one other thing really has. And that would be the 24 hour gambling in a casino. And what I say there is it's the only they're the only two places that I ever forget that it's daytime outside. And I'm surprised to walk out from it to daytime. So I love the thought of this being a utopian place to perform or even B, is inside of the dark of the matinee. I love that. Yes, so do I for that matter. Uh, yeah, I think this is a really clever song. I just love what they did here. And uh, yeah, I just, it is a bit local to Britain, but you know what? That's okay. That was their reality. And uh, this was another top 10 hit in the UK and Scotland. It didn't cross over to the US. I'm sure it was just too local to that region again, but still an awesome song for sure. Awesome, most, awesome song. Most definitely. This is the song that I would show people to showcase this album. Um, whether they had heard Take Me Out or not, this was the song that I always chose back then to share with everybody as the track that if you jam on this, you can jam on the whole album. Like you were talking about before, it being this beautiful daydream of a boy walking from from, from school. This dream is also broken up inside of the song by its own craziness. And I love that because the verse... And the refrain mimic this in where we're living this awesome dream. Like I'm talking to Terry Wogan. And then it gets so crazy that the dreamer realizes that it's a dream. And, and, and it's, it's mimicked by this crescendo verse to refrain and then back down almost to a whisper. Uh, I always thought that was super, super sick. Uh, you know, that, that dream sense that the, the verse brings is, is, it's it's almost haunting for me, and, and I love that it's the dreamer getting taken out of it is when we really jam into um, the meat and potatoes of this song. One one of my faves. Can't say that enough. Uh, this is this is definitely the one for me. No, oh, yeah. no spoilers, but this. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing I want to say, I looked up live videos for the album and this one goes off live. The crowd is so into it. I saw a video from the 
2004 Reading Festival, and they just, you could tell they loved doing this song. The crowd loved it, and I also love their clothes in it. Alex Capranos and Nick McCarthy both have red button downs. Yeah. Love that. Hell yes. Nick's had stars on it, too. It was awesome, I thought. Hell yes. But... Yeah, just the energy in it was infectious to me. Sadly, Nick McCarthy's no longer in the band. He left a few years ago. Yeah, they they've had they've had a few in and outs. Yeah, uh, and, and stayed and stayed true to themselves and strong. Yeah, I think it's pretty awesome that they have a female drummer now because yeah. that's sadly to many a bit of a novelty. We don't see too many female drummers up on stage, so I love that they did that. Good for them. Oh, yeah. Good on you, Franz Ferdinand. We're getting off topic back to 2004, not the present day, with track <laughs> number five, Off Axis, or On Axis in English. That's a German title. And uh, yeah, this one, it's about a boy who's been rejected and it's eating him up. And this is another really disco song here. It might be the most disco song on the album, actually. I love that beat, first of all. I love that disco sound. It's great. And uh, then this last verse has this boy comparing his pain to Jesus's crucifixion, basically. <laughs> but it's so tongue-in-cheek that you can't be offended by it. Yeah. I mean, I was raised Catholic. I know you were, too. And you're taught, like, no, you don't make fun of God like that. You don't compare your thing to the crucifixion. Like, you don't do what Madonna did on her tour in 2006. That's not okay. <laughs> That's what I was taught as a kid, at least. Uh, but this is so goofy and funny that you just can't be offended by it. These guys have a great sense of humor, and I think it's nowhere more evident than in that passage. I, I agree with you there. This one. Tongue in cheek is a great way to put it, but also more, uh, in my opinion, their storytelling prowess uh, as far as their narratives. This one for me is one of the more strictly narrative of of the album, and I love it. You know, you you automatically get this sense of being spun on your axis by, you know, rejection and and, and like you said, eating you alive. Um, and, and this song bangs too. I mean, the baseline on this song is the song for me. Uh, and it, it's a slow walk that turns into a run, um, as far as the song goes. And it, it the refrain where they're like, she's not special with the guitar singing out yeah. behind it. I love that. And then the bridge goes ahead and mimics that, but like for, uh, almost like a measure longer, until we're back to like this minimal sound again, you know, that doom, but it, boom, but it, boom. I love that, man. What such a, such a great track. And the drums on the outro, I can't, I, uh, I love this. This is as far as musicality, this is up there on this album for me. This is, this is a true testament of musicianship. Look what you've done, boys. You made another banger. Yeah, you got it. Look what you've done, boys. Oh, a jammer, man. Oh, yes. And uh, now we are on to the next track of the album, Cheating On You. Right. Another tongue-in-cheek song, kind of. It's like, we'll both cheat on each other is kind of the message. Um, Yeah, this is another short song on the album. It's under three minutes. And uh, 
it's a bit redundant and I appreciate the humor, but I can definitely see why this is the least streamed song on the album. Because it's a bit of a filler. It's just not as ambitious as uh, the other songs on the album, especially after something like the previous track. They take you on this journey, this great piece they gave us before, and this is just kind of a paint-by-the-numbers rocker. And they're fine at that, but they were better than that earlier in the album. So, yeah, I think this is the gun-to-the-head least favorite for me. Even even my first listen through this, I'm I'm right with you. Um, this one, the only way I can figure it, really trying to break down of why you would put this one on this album, but two right behind the the previous track is because of its polar opposite message, I guess, almost of like this this fake freedom of love as long as you're cheating on you i'm cheating on you and they switch it around for the last time saying i'm cheating on me which is really what i think is the the bottom line of this whole entire uh we use the word tongue-in-cheek again tongue-in-cheek rant about about this this fake freedom of love but yeah as it's a quick banger i'm glad it was a shorter track because for me it, it almost it's the one it's the one that doesn't fit it's you said it the best it just it's not to the level of the rest of this album yeah i mean i guess it could kind of work as a bit of a palate cleanser in between two of the more ambitious songs i guess but still it's an odd fit yeah if you're searching for a palate cleanser i say okay but it's enough of a rocker that you don't get to take a breath and cleanse your palate. I feel like, you know what I'm saying? I think you hit it on the head when you said filler. Uh, and I hate to say that about this album, but I, I totally agree with you. This is the one. Sorry, boys, but sorry, we can't have them all be winners, I guess. <laughs> but now we're on to your track seven. This... Oh, my bad. I'm, I, yeah. I'm sorry. This is This is that track seven, man. Yeah, this fire, I'm not going to lie, I haven't heard this whole album, but I can't help but think of Paula Cole when I hear that title, because that's the name of her album with I Don't Wanna Wait and Where Have All the Cowboys Gone. Oh, This Fire is the name of that album? Yes, I don't know the whole album, but, well, two bangers right there, but... Heard that, heard that. (laughs) We're not talking about the hat, we're here to talk about this song, which sounds nothing like either of those. Um, Yeah, this is about a wild lust, not a downtrodden sad lady. This is a wild lust. I don't think they're singing about Paula Cole here, unless there's something she didn't tell us. But... (laughs) uh, Yeah, this fire is out of control. They're going to burn this city. And uh, I mean, yeah, they really pump you up with this one. This is just a great pump up song. And uh, you just kind of want to jump up and down and scream it at the top of your lungs. But, well, you shouldn't in public scream, we're going to burn this city. But (laughs) if you hear this, you're tempted to. I better not put this on touch tunes ever. So because if I do, I might get too enthusiastic. There you go. There you go. Because it does that. It does. And a few facts about this song. There's a few things here. So first off, for some reason, this was re-recorded for single release and retitled with fire being free Fs. This fire, 
Yeah. I don't get why they did that. I don't think they even needed to re-record it, but... Have you listened to the Rich Costi version? I have. It It's just a little bit tighter. In my opinion, it, it loses a, a its luster being tighter. I agree. Um, yeah. I Not agree. This was fine the way it was. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's that, but... This song actually made an appearance this year. It was used as the theme song to an anime called Cyberpunk Edge Runners. And back in 2007, this was sampled in a song by Lil Wayne and Twista called Burn the City. I haven't heard that. I've never been much of a Lil Wayne fan, but... That's the next stamp on your hip-hop card. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We'll see about that one. <laughs> Unless you're challenging me. But... No, I'm always challenging you, but no, not, not there. Not there. Oh, okay. It, it's a take it or leave it song for me, that one. But Oh, Burn This City? Yeah. Oh, it's no lollipop, I guess. <laughs> We're getting off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> Anyway, this is another beloved song. This was the last single from the album. It was airplay and download only in the US and UK. 17 on the alternative charts, number eight on the UK download chart. But it was actually the band's set closer until 2009, which perfect set closer. Fuck yeah. So, I mean, yeah, this is one. Oh, I could imagine this going off live. Oh, I, I I can only imagine. I mean, this is how you close a set. I love it in the number seven spot. This is, in my opinion, this is the anthem of the album. This is the anthem of the album. This is where the story of the album, in my opinion, takes this wild, like explosive, chaotic turn, and and from here on is a different vibe. And I'll get to that when when we go into into the next song. But my words on this one is a driven chaotic masterpiece. Uh, I love this song. You, when you talk about, and, and and we laugh because we've heard it, but if, if our listeners have not heard this song, when we joke about it taking you over and if you were to listen to it on the street, you would want to scream it out. It, it There's no way. This song drives, period, and, uh, and really crushes, uh, especially in a number seven spot for me. Oh, yeah. I completely agree. Though I think it also would have worked as an album closer, too. Agreed. Agreed. Expe- but, the set closer and the album closer definitely would have worked uh, as a closer. Maybe, but, maybe. I don't know about this album, but it is. It has that. It has the power of an ender like that. That's what I mean, basically. Yeah. I think alternately it could have worked. But yes. regardless, uh, this fire, awesome. We enjoy it. And now we are on to track number eight. Darts of Pleasure, actually the band's lead single, which seems kind of crazy in hindsight. The only reason this was before Take Me Out was just because it was recorded first. That's really what it was. And uh, yeah, as I mentioned, this did make the UK top 50, which they were surprised to have gotten that far. This is a, a song about seduction. This one, I'm not gonna lie. First time I heard this song, I absolutely hated it. I thought, this guy is such a douche. He just thinks he can do whatever he wants to this girl. Like, what a fucking prick. That was what I was thinking. I was like, this guy. But then I saw what they were going for, the seduction. I'm like, oh, 
okay, that makes a bit more sense. So I don't hate it now. It's not my favorite on the album, but I don't completely hate it like I did on the first listen. But yeah, it's grown on me. It definitely shouldn't have been the first single, but I guess it's what they had at the time. So I don't know. I wonder if it's what they had at the time or if it fit somewhat of the sexiness vibe of of the 2000s at this point um as far as really on a not even like on a on a top level you know maybe maybe it felt sexy to them this song for me is a sexy song period i talked about the way that this album moves for me this is where this album starts to get super sexy uh, we we get real sexual throughout the next couple of pieces on this album and and this starts it off really awesome um the darts of pleasure inside of the album are described as these poisonous words which gives an ironic take to the darts of pleasure especially inside of the seduction for me but i I mean you you talk about lines like you can feel my lips undress your eyes and and even when that's happening the song is doing this almost stripping down of itself uh, to a very minimal piece uh, and the drums just going uh, and then a hard stop, boom, and back into it uh, like a raging guitar riff. This is a, this is a super sexy one for me. The, the uh, it, it, super fantastic. My name is super fantastic at the end. Sang in German was always fun for me because and we go back to like not having the lyrics. Who knew what that said? But we were having a ball with it, jumping around. But yeah, I, I, I always love this sexy romp for me. Yeah, well, this may be a sexy romp, but you are not lying. Things get sexy at this point. And in my opinion, the sexy song of the album is the next one, track yeah. number nine, Michael. And this was actually based on a true story. Alex Caprano said it was about two of his male friends hooking up one night. So, yeah, this is uh, the gay love song of the album. This guy is lusting for Michael, and uh, he does not hold back. He describes it quite beautifully, actually, but there's no denying what he's uh, going for. There's no innuendo here. Uh, It it is. It's after our seduction song of Darts of Pleasure. Now we move on to, like you said, something that was taken right out of their interactions with their friends and not only was it happening uh you know in their lives but it was happening at like a crazy disco disco x right so for me the feeling of this club happening around is right there in the sound of the song the chaoticness of it and i can i really love the way this story is told throughout this narrative because you you can't help but be right there in it uh, whether it's guy, guy, girl, girl, whatever, you can't help being inside of the way this person beautifully tells it, like you said, but is just feeling it throughout throughout this song. Who was it? It was Alex Petridis said, you, you simply don't get songs like Michael very often in current rock music, and you don't. Uh, it's something that I would be hard-pressed to find something that really moved me as far as first listen automatically the way Michael moved me. And we're, we're, like I said, we're in the epitome of the sexualness of this album uh, throughout, throughout the song. Such a great one. Yes. And uh, this was actually the fourth single from the album. And it was a top 20 hit in Finland, Scotland, and the UK. 
This didn't chart in the U.S. I'm not surprised. We are in a very conservative point in the U.S.'s history in 2004. So, yeah, this isn't surprising that this didn't cross over to the mainstream in 04. But you know what? If you got it, you got it. And uh, great if you did. That's what I have to say about it. That's real. You know, I, I never hear this song out. But I always picture it being played, you know, it's that it's that kind of I won't say a club anthem, but it's that kind of sexy dance song that you don't have to know. This is Franz Ferdinand to get down with it. Yeah, I'm sure this is played at many a gay bar in Scotland and England. I would say maybe not the U.S., but I could see that being the case. But I wouldn't know. I've never been to a gay bar, so they're probably playing Michael. I hope they are. I'll I hope say they are that too. right now. <laughs> that, that shit rocks. God damn, it's a good song. Yes. And we keep that kind of sexy vibe going with the penultimate track on the album, Come On Home, which is another disco-y song. And this is another element of sexuality. This is the longing for it. This guy, he wants his ex back. He wants his ex to come home and... So this represents another chapter, an aspect of that. And I think that's really cool that they touched on multiple facets of uh, sex for these free songs. We got different experiences with each one, and uh, they're all relatable to many people. So I think that was great that they did that. Yeah. Uh, you, you talk about that love, calling that love back, that acapella that ends the song, the beautiful come on home. Um, you can you can feel that that yearning inside of that acapella for me. Yeah, I don't like this as much as others on the album, but I think it's fine and it has a good melody. I'll say that. So, yeah, come on home. There we go. And uh, they're bringing it on home with the final track now, 40 Feet. This is possibly a reference to a promontory in Dublin, Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, mass of land above water, and it's a popular spot where families swim. It hasn't always been allowed for children to be at, but it is these days. So that was something fun to learn. I don't recall going past that when I went to Ireland, but something cool to learn. That's wild. I always thought this song was about, in my head, it was the end of this wild ass romp and party and craziness I always thought about, it was about jumping off a bridge with the uh, saltwater scaling his skin and only 40 feet left below. Uh, I, I, that's what I always equated it with. That's wild. I mean, I can see that, but I don't think I would hate to think that. I don't think it's that dark. I think some people think this band is dark. I mean, there's people that actually think Take Me Out is about wanting to get shot. And I think that's horrible. <laughs> no, I, I thought it was a fitting end of a run or even the contemplation of standing over and looking at the water yeah i didn't oh go ahead no no that i'm saying that's wild because i didn't look it up and but that was what i had always thought i mean i believe what i looked up because i don't think this is dark enough to be about possible suicide so yeah i know some people do think that though if they think take me out's about wanting to get taken out as in shot i think that's horrible that people think that but 
Yeah, I listened to a great podcast, one of my favorite podcasts, Song versus Song. They did an episode um, called Take Me Out versus Float On, where they compared the two songs. I, I saw you pop that up, and I want to listen to that because uh, I go back to that. You know, Modest Mouse was there, and that was really what a lot of people were comparing this to. Yeah, they uh, said the this time. was the, these were the songs of that era, and a third one, actually, of this time, which... It didn't last long. Was the killers? Somebody told me. Also a classic. Heard, but of course they actually had a huge mainstream hit the following year with Mr. Brightside. But we're not here to talk about the killers. So, (laughs) regardless of 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 the the meaning period, this one is a great ender uh, musically, uh, in my opinion, and it has this almost day in the life chaotic uh, crescendo at the end that literally puts a seal on the album. And I really enjoy that. Yeah. I think it's nice that they went with a, a more downbeat closer. I think that was a wise decision on their part. I don't like this as much as other songs on the album though. It just isn't as dynamic. And that's why a part of me wishes this fire ended it on a real bang like that, or even close to it. But it makes sense for them to have gone with a slower song, but maybe they just didn't do that as well at this point in time. Yeah, this one, it's not my favorite. I didn't hear a day in the life in it personally, but I didn't love it, but I think it was smart to end the album with something more low-key. Indeed. And, uh... All right, so you get the, you get to give the score this week. What do you got? What do you got on this guy? B+. Plus. All right, all right. Because I do think some... There is some filler on it for me, but the songs that I like, I really do enjoy a lot. And, uh, yeah, I think they had some really cool concepts and ideas here. And uh, I do think this was uh, cool for them to do. I enjoyed doing this one. It was a bit different for me, not something I would have expected, but I think some of these songs will definitely be going into my rotation. So I'm going to say B plus, And I do feel as an album, it flows together really well. There you go. I, we're, we're back on in sync again. I'm going B plus on this album, even though it's, it stands the test of time for me and the musicianship of course cannot be denied it doesn't feel as full to me as it did back then and we go to tracks you know like come on home and cheating on you for me that don't hit anywhere near where they used to for me a stellar album by far and i i say a must listen but Anybody who hasn't heard this one, this is a really unique and cool listen if, you, if you're out there for it. Um, but yep, B-plus for me as well. All right, there we have it. Franz Ferdinand, uh, what's your favorite track on the album? <laughs> Dark of the Matinee, number four track is my jam. I love Fire. I, I love this album, period. But like I said before, something about Dark of the Matinee has always spoke to me. I enjoy it. A hundred percent. And it's the one that I would show even to this day to people that hadn't listened to the whole album or even know who Franz Ferdinand was or is. I would say, here you go. Check this one out. I'm going with the popular answer. My favorite song on the albums. Take me out. Just a brilliantly constructed song that could still be a hit today. Most definitely. And uh, now we've done our second album of the 2000s. 
But now it's time to announce our next one. So this poll was a little unique because at the beginning of this month, I was supposed to attend a music festival called Ocean's Calling down in Ocean City, Maryland. But sadly, the weather decided that it wouldn't happen and the festival was canceled. But in honor of this festival that didn't happen, I decided to create a 2000s poll with albums from artists that were scheduled to appear at this festival. So with that, our options were the Dave Matthews Band's Big Whiskey and the Goo Rucks King, Alanis Morissette's Under Rug Swept, Jimmy Eat World's Bleed American, and Cage the Elephant's self-titled debut. And... Uh, we did get a winner. Actually, this was the most surprising poll result I've seen in the polls that we've done. I was not expecting this. But this coming week, we will be discussing Jimmy World's Bleed American. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I guess some people want us to go a little bit email, I guess. I don't know. But let's that go. What, what, I was not expecting that. You don't sound too thrilled about that. I, I don't know it. I don't know it. I know them. I know the name. Uh, I mean, in all honesty, I don't know it. But I, let's let's explore the 2000s all over the place. I'm down with that. Let's let's see. Let's see what the vibe was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we obviously know the big hit off of it. But what's beyond that? What's uh, the big hit off it? The middle. Everybody knows that song. I probably know it, but not you'd by know now. it if you heard it. Everybody's heard that song. It's uh, next week. I'll be like, oh, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, it's just omnipresent. Admittedly, that All song, right. and uh, yeah, I was expecting Dave to win that one, but he did not. I, I mean, I love Dave. That's a long ass Dave album. <laughs> All four albums are. are exciting period i love that we get a chance to do a shout out to the oceans calling not happening so regardless uh let's 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 see the next part of the 2000s yeah a bit of a different vibe than we've done before but i'm excited to do something different you know what it might be the first time i have you ever listened to the album no I've never listened to the album. It might be the first time neither of us have listened to the album before. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's cool. I like that. I like that. This is going to be a fun one. Two blind listens. Let's see what we got here. Oh, yes. But in the meantime, while you're waiting for our trip to the middle, you can uh, subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, be sure to give us a nice review and rating because that helps us out a lot. And uh, in the meantime, try not to take yourself out too much and stay safe. Peace.